In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast. If you enjoy and, and benefit from this podcast, and we certainly hope you do, one listener recently left us a, a nice review on iTunes complimenting us on the dedication and thoroughness that we bring to the subject of HSE. And so I want to thank whoever goes under the moniker of Unicor Life for saying that. But if you enjoy and benefit from listening, then please support this show by supporting our sponsor, Endress and Hauser. A global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation, Anderson Hauser, the people for process automation. And you can tell them thank you for sponsoring the show by going to our Anderson Hauser and OGGN website. It's uh, cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. And there you can register for our monthly giveaway, which is a really nice jacket. It's a little cool right now while we're doing this recording and I'm actually wearing the jacket and I understand they may be getting down to giving away all the jackets they have. So you need to, to jump in there and register. We'll post that link in the show notes because I know you can't remember all that. Also, hopefully you're listening to this particular podcast in time because on March the 4th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, Anderson Hauser will be presenting an online seminar entitled Water Preparation for Utilities in Oil and Gas. The preparation of water before it's turned into steam is an essential and important step in the oil and gas industry, and this online seminar will discuss the importance of feed water preparation for steam used in oil and gas utilities, also the significant parameters and how and why they're measured. We'll post the registration link for that in the show notes as well. Then later on in the month, March the 25th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, they will host another one entitled Master Meter Proving, which will answer questions about why this is becoming more attractive than traditional corrected volume proving methods and what influence rentals numbers have on measurement uncertainties. All these questions and more will be the focus of this online seminar. Again, check the show notes for the registration link. So for today's show, focusing especially on our always unwavering commitment to everyone coming home safe. I have as my guest, Jack Brown. Jack, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the invite. Well, I'm very excited about interviewing you. I actually discovered you on LinkedIn and you've got a lot of experience in HSE. Is that correct? Oh, yes, sir. I've been in it in some form or fashion for the majority of the past 15, 16 years. And you started out, I think it's an interesting story how you how you started out. You started out with a construction company that serviced the oil and gas industry. Is that right? <laughs> yes, sir. I grew up in northwest Texas, a small rural community. And what I mean by small rural is a farming and ranching community is about six to 800 people. So you grow up learning how to farm and how to work construction, how to weld and work in the oil field. And through that, I started working at a high school for a construction company and they they grew as, you know, the industry grew some to meet their needs. They needed a designated safety guy and none of the kind of the more experienced guys there wanted to do it. So I got designated a safety guy and they gave me a little bit of training and I made an extra dollar an hour. So I was 
proud to have it. That was kind of my introduction introduction to being a safety guy. That was your introduction to being a safety guy. Well, you know, I've entitled this particular podcast just a special edition. Usually we have folks come on and, and they have some kind of new technology or some kind of new idea or some kind of new app that's related to, to HSE in, in one way or another. But not too long ago, I had someone contact me on LinkedIn and they said, you know, I'm new to this HSE position and listening to your podcast helps give me ideas on how I can be a better HSE person. And so I just wanted to bring somebody on who had a lot of HSE experience and just kind of talk HSE in general, go through some of the, the trials and, and travails that and how you overcome these problems. For example, you, you just, you kind of hit upon one just now. They needed an HSE person and nobody else wanted to do it. So you got it by default. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. Sometimes you bequeath responsibility if you want it or not. And you just kind of learn how to grow into it. Well, and of course, the responsibility of HSE and people who've listened to me on my podcast before know that I worked for a, a small independent company a few years back and we kind of were in the, we kind of were in the same position. We had to all of a sudden have safety manuals and we had to have safety procedures and we had to document that we were having safety meetings and I was the sales manager for the company. And so since I was, you know, the guy who knew how to, how to use a computer, that's kind of, I became the safety guy. You know, <laughs> yes, sir. Cause I could print out the log, make everybody sign, say, saying they had gone to the safety meeting, you know, and fortunately I think we're beginning to take it more serious than that. But you probably, when you first started off, you, you saw that kind of resistance. Oh yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean, kind of for the first few I guess career paths I was, you know, I took, it was a dual role and a lot of people in some form or fashion, regardless if you're a designated HSE quality professional or risk management professional, you have dual roles to some form or fashion, but sometimes, you know, you may be a, a project manager and HSE may fall under you, or you may be just the youngest guy that has, you may be computer savvy. So you're, <laughs> you learn how to be the safety guy as well. <laughs> exactly. So now you've actually been the, I think your last position you were president at, I saw it on your profile on LinkedIn. What was the name of the company? Spectrum Integrated Well Control. Spectrum Integrated Well Control. And how long were you in that position? Actually, I'm still currently in that position just due to the nature of the industry right now. There's, it's slow, you know, due to several factors, but my last field position was with Trinity Operating, which is a next air energy company. And I was a HSE consultant in the field. Okay. And specifically, what what were you in charge of? Basically, on the drilling completion side in Oklahoma and Louisiana, they have operations throughout Texas as well as Oklahoma and in the Haynesville and Louisiana. So I kind of helped out as needed in the field as well as with improving and implementing some of their admin infrastructure. And so with the slow nature going on right now, you're probably open to new opportunities. If, if anybody out there listening and looking for a good HSE guy. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm definitely available and currently actively looking. So if you, if you are and or as the industry picks up or outside of the industry, if you think I'd be a good fit for your team, please feel free to reach out to me anytime. We'll post your LinkedIn URL. In fact, as I mentioned a while ago, that's where I found you was on LinkedIn because you definitely are computer savvy. You know how to post on LinkedIn. <laughs> that was that was a, a nice little animation you had on on LinkedIn there. Well, kind of a skill set. You kind of you know you become a toolbox, and some of it I've learned 
from being, you know, kind of in an executive position, taking on a spectrum is how to market. And due to the want and need right now, me needing to be employed, I decided to market myself a little better and different than most. And I think it's, it's opened some eyes maybe and brought some attention to me, hopefully. Well, it definitely, it definitely caught my attention. In fact, let me jump off here since we're talking about you personally. And then I want to, I want to get into to some of your thoughts about HSE and what you might think people, especially if they're just starting out in HSE need to learn. But there was a guy and I, I don't even know if he's, he's still around. We used to call them motivational speakers. I think the new term these days is life coach, but the guy's name was Jim Rohn and he was very popular, well thought of speaker, author, and that sort of thing. And one of the things he said, that's a popular quote that's attributed to him. He said that your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. So for the HSE professional, the question you have to ask yourself is, is is how much time are you dedicating to personal development right now? Jack, you're, you're dedicating a lot of time to personal development, aren't you? Oh, yes, sir. I mean, I've always had a, a want and a capacity to learn. I think if the, you know, the more I know, the more evolved person I can be, but more importantly, so the more I can help someone out. I mean, if I'm not educated enough to give you the right answers or us find the right answer together, then I'm just another person that's probably part of the problem instead of part of the solution. So yeah, currently I'm finishing a master of jurisprudence risk management degree at Texas A&M Law School. I'll graduate next semester and I'm also unilaterally finishing a PhD in occupational health and safety at Capital Technology University. And I'll graduate around 2022. Okay. So let's talk HSE. What do you see as being some of the major problems and how's the best way to tackle them and try to be more productive and try to make sure we all have a good attitude about everybody coming home safe? Well, there's several in the field, whether you're beginning or you're an experienced, you know, seasoned professional, attitude and effort go a long way. Um, You're going to be surrounded by a lot of people that are doing a lot of hard physical labor. And on top of that, they're, you know, they're facing challenges at home that you don't know about. So, you know, their attitude and focus is maybe distracted to some extent. And they don't necessarily want you coming up, getting in their business and telling them all the things they're doing wrong <laughs> and nothing, nothing they're doing right. So the those interactions to me is just, I try to treat people the way I want to be treated. I try to implement the golden rule as much as I can into my personal professional life. And I think that has allowed me to help support, you know, my role as HSE function as a servant leader. That's how I look at my role. I mean, I'm here to support you, do your job safely and efficiently. And I take that everybody has different leadership styles and they evolve over time and mine's kind of evolved more so into a servant leader. Well, let's talk more about that. That's actually becoming a popular term in the business world. Some people may be surprised that term actually was originally coined as far as I know, really in the religious world. But servant leader, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, it's putting others before yourself, basically. I mean, there's always going to be compliance and we need, we have to meet the, you know, the bare minimums required to do business. That doesn't mean proactive, but there's also a hearts and mind factor to that. And as a leader, you, you got to have hard skills, but some of those soft skills are just as important, such as emotional intelligence. And that's when you got to be, you got to gauge that situation before you walk into it, because you're going to get more out of people and yourself. If you want to work together and collaborate versus feel like you're a safety cop, which, you know, is a term that's more often used than it should be at this 
this time and frame in the world. I think that's exactly right. As much as possible, there, you know, there's there's an old saying that a great leader walks into a room and if he says frog, everybody jumps and asks how high on the way up. And everybody's heard that expression. But somebody once said, yeah, but a great leader never says frog. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, and he inspires people to where they're jumping already as, as high as they can. That's a skill set that some people may think just comes natural to some folks and it's just not in, you know, it's almost like uh, athletic ability or whatever, but it actually really can be developed if you have the, the proper attitude about it. And it's kind of interesting. We're always looking for new things and new ways to to say things and all that sort of thing. But what you mentioned Something as old as simply the golden rule, you know, just treat others like you'd, you'd like to be treated yourself. It just, it goes a long way, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it definitely does. It, it helps take, you know, the rigidity out of situations. I mean, and it also is going to allow you to be able to solve problems and be more aware of problems. It gives you the ability to have not just sight, but vision because people are going to come with you to problems you may not know about or see yet. And you can help them solve those if they're more apt to open up to you. So you got any interesting stories, antidotes for us that might help somebody stave off a problem? Well, I mean, due to the recent weather situation, you know, and across the world, I mean, we can touch a little bit on emergency action plans, emergency response plans, and business continuity plans. I mean, those drills and scenarios kind of don't just, as far as our industry, you know, they go beyond well control or rescue at heights or fire but there's also the potential for, you know, inclement weather and that we need to be able to respond to those in some form or fashion, either on location or at a management field level office level or, you know, also, you know, on a corporate level for far as business continuity. Well, let's let's talk about that. OK, so currently in the field, you know, that everybody's operations were restricted, whether it was the operator or the primary contractor or the subcontractors on the operators or the contractor side. So it's definitely had to open everybody's eyes about how we're going to be able to go forward. Some of those things we don't have control over, say the infrastructure on the roads. We can only go, you know, far, far and fast as safely as possible. And some of that's up to, you know, the highway support system, as well as what power resources we have on location. You know, as far as how we're going to fuel our generators, keep people warm. How we, do we have the proper PPE? Was everybody prepared for that to have their weather PPE you know, on location? A lot of times not, probably not going into the spring, depending on the part of the world. So these are some of these things, you know, we got to forecast, maybe be aware of better. And we, we're never going to be perfect at it, but we can improve about it by talking about it for sure. Some things go, just going into those drills, but say rescue at heights drill on a drilling rig. Those sometimes those drills are overlooked. We focus on well-controlled drills and fire drills for sure. We talk about those at minimum when, you know, we do fire, fire extinguisher inspections on the drilling side, you know, and the frack side, but also. What about rescue at heights? I mean, how are we going to get an individual from point A to point B? On a drilling rig, it's probably going to be a two-point res- or a two-part rescue. We're going to have to get them from heights, you know, maybe from the board down to the drill floor, and then from the drill floor down to the ground level. So the paramedic's going to, you know, at least transport them. And if you're not prepared and you're not talking about them, about what resources you have on location, like such as where is the personnel board at, you know, what other resources do we have as a, say, a contingency plan variance? You know, we got a forklift. we got personnel to help carry them whatever we may need to do to get them to the ground. Cause the real, cause the reality of it is we got to get them to the ground, right? And there's a likelihood of you having a high angle rescue person on location is going to be slim to none, but you got to talk about those things and, and leading into that, 
At one point in my career, about two years ago, there was an individual had a, you know, a massive heart attack. Working in solid control, was on the track hole, got out. I was on the drill floor talking to the driller, came over the radio, person down. I, you know, came down to the ground level, ran across location, got to him, started doing CPR and did CPR on him until the paramedics arrived. Unfortunately, that person did not live. He lived to get to, until he got to the hospital and then he passed there. And after that got me thinking about how prepared we are for emergency response, you know, because at that time, you know, you start going through your head is, you know, CPR, AEDs, are they inspected regularly? You know, are the batteries charged? Or are we, are we opening them up every now and then to just let it talk through so people are comfortable with using them? I mean, so after that, you know, at least every day, well-controlled drills are discussed a lot. But I also, from an HSC perspective, encourage other HSC professionals, if you got nothing else to say, try to engage them in a conversation about a drill scenario in some form, right? And however it may be. Yeah. And the story that you just told, because it's difficult sometimes to communicate, but we live with this sense of it's never going to happen to me. I'm bulletproof, you know? And so we need to be able to have in our arsenal, we need to be able to have stories just like you told just now, you know, here's something that actually did happen. Here's a real life scenario and it did happen and it can happen again. We need to talk about it. We need to be prepared for it. We hope it doesn't happen, but just in case it does happen, we need to be prepared. Preparation, I think, is one of the things that oftentimes is a big part that's missing in the HSE process. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, the best people, the best processes, the best plans and the best equipment will fail eventually. And when they do, we need to have a comprehensive layering approach, you know, from risk management, HSC perspective, to adapt and overcome those as they do occur. Everybody has drill scenarios, but I do encourage you from HSC perspective. I know that's more of a reactive, but to be proactive when using it is discuss those things because you may have new people on your crew, not just necessarily new to the oil field. They may come from other locations, other rigs, other companies. They may do things different. But if you open that dialogue up and get some of more of those seasoned well site leaders or rig managers on location that definitely, you know, have the experience and are great storytellers, that's a chance for them to engage as well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very critical. What else you got? Well, we can talk some about, I guess, you know, safety culture. That seems to be a hot topic about everybody and there's no silver bullet for it. I mean, but there's a lot of ways we can approach that to improve. I mean, basically safety culture to me is morale with regards to incident and injury free attitudes and behaviors. Among a group, you know, at the time, and it's going to vary from rig, maybe business unit or, you know, corporations, and it's going to fluctuate and change. But as far as how you can influence that is with, to me, through your behavioral based safety programs, a good indicator of that. But you have to implement not just negative reinforcement, but positive reinforcement. Everybody's good at playing where's Waldo and walking outside and saying this is done wrong and that don't look right. But also there's a lot of things going right. So you got to reinforce those. Whether it's, hey, that's a great job. You're wearing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. And or if you give them some sort of recognition, whether it's just, hey, I noticed this yesterday during the safety meeting, let, let people know that somebody's doing a great job in front of their peers and colleagues. And that's that's right. That's bringing them up. And that influences the culture and it spreads among the group. And then they want to do something just as good to be recognized as well. Yeah, I think that's I think that's extremely important. I was actually listening to someone the other day and was talking about how to get your creative juices flowing. And he was talking about meditation techniques and 
things like this and how light bulbs go off in your head, so to speak, you know. He said the the thing that you can't do is he says you can't force it. He said when you try to force thought, you don't usually get your best thought. And it has to you kind of have to let it have to let it flow. And one of the ways to do that is to focus on positive things because what you focus on becomes your reality. And so if you're doing what you just said, you're looking for the positive things rather than always pointing out the negative things, then that's going to become people's reality. Yeah, I agree to that 100%. I mean, also, I mean, the reality is not just in our industry, there's a huge management of change, you know, as far as, you know, a more experienced generation, you know, getting ready to retire or retiring and a younger generation coming in and you know, people use the term old school old field, which I'm pro old school old field. But at the same time, you know, I'm also ex-military and I can't treat somebody in the field like I'm their, you know, their sergeant. I can't smoke them. I can't make them do push-ups because they're doing something wrong. So you got to find a way to motivate each other and yourself and other people. And to me, it's just, just as easy or better. And you'll get more sustainable improvement if, through positive reinforcement. You got to acknowledge the ways we can improve. But at the same time, you know, throw in some attaboys more so. You know, then not just you're doing something wrong all the time. Yeah, I think that military analogy is perfect. Although I did, I did hear the other day that you know women are are really attracted to military guys. They're in good shape. They know how to make a bed, <laughs> and they're used to taking orders. So, <laughs> well, I got two or three of those. I ain't in good shape, but I can make a bed and take orders. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I've enjoyed spending these few minutes talking about this. I think the thing that maybe a couple of things just to summarize, one of the most critical aspects of a good, effective HSE and being a good HSE person is you have to have good people skills. You have to have good preparation. You know, if we had scripted this thing, Jack, that's two P's. I could probably find a third P and we could make it a little alliteration there that everybody could remember, you know. Well, problem solver would be mine. There you go. There you go. So people skills, preparation, and problem solving. That's what it takes to be a good HSE person. We're going to wind this thing down unless you got one more significant thing you, you know, you want to, you want to get in before we close it down. Yeah. The one thing I wouldn't want to say is to that guy out there that, you know, called him, he's trying to learn to get better at what he does. You're not ever going to be perfect, but get you some life experience, some work experience and pursue academic qualifications and training in some form. And if it's free training, take it twice because you're never going to go wrong educating yourself so you can better support somebody with a, you know, an educated answer. Be collaborative as much as possible. And don't be a safety cop. There's enough of them out there. Oh, I think that's great. Well, thanks again, Jack, for coming on the show. Again, a reminder to everybody that Jack's open to some new opportunities right now. You can contact him regarding that via LinkedIn. And as I said, we will put his LinkedIn URL contact. We want to thank again, everybody for tuning in and ask you to please tune in again next week for another episode of Anderson Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement, instrumentation, services, and solutions. We are your people for process automation. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you can discover more about Anderson Hauser at our website link, which we will post in the show notes. And again, you can register for the monthly podcast giveaway. You can follow us on LinkedIn at Anderson Hauser Group and on Twitter at Endress underscore U.S. 
And please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. See you next time. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for March 2021. This month we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, our OGGN Here and Now live event on March 4th at Churrasco's in the Memorial area of Houston, Texas, and the Texas Wildcatters Open at Black Horse Golf Club in Cypress, Texas. Next up, we have our three online events, Sarah Week from March 1st to 5th, Transformathon from March 1st to 7th, and the TAMU SBE Career Enhancement event on March 26th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for March. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.